Have you ever taken a moment to count the number of green lights you encounter on your way to any particular destination? Hi, welcome to another episode of Business Mindset Mastery. My name is Heather Gray, and I'm a mindset and performance coach over at choosetohaveitall.com. And for today's episode, I am really glad my husband doesn't listen to this show because I have to call him out a little bit. I'm coming at you with a challenge to start counting, seeing, and noticing the green lights you encounter along the way in your life. I'll tell you what I mean. So last Friday, we had a little bit of a date night, my husband and I, and we went out and we had plans to go to our favorite Middle Eastern restaurant. And we encountered like an obscene amount of traffic only to find out that there had been some sort of town event or planned event going in this town center, which is why uh, traffic was so backed up. So we decided to do plan B, and we just did a little bit of a U-turn, turned around, found another restaurant, got parking, walked right in, ate a really nice meal, and then on our way home, we encountered a red light, and I heard a heavy sigh, and I did the, yes, what was that sigh about? And he's like, just noticing how many red lights I encountered today. And I thought to myself, oh, there it is, and yep. I have a podcast episode. What do I mean by this? So when people are thinking and asking me about how do you choose happy, what does it mean to choose happiness? Or how do you make happiness a choice when life is so hard and life sucks? It can often come down to looking for and seeking out the green lights. A lot of times when people are anxious or defended, guarded, or fearful. They turn to an automatic response of scanning for how things could possibly go bad. They notice every risk. They notice every slight, the way life doesn't always, you know, turn out the way they ask. When somebody cuts them off, when somebody doesn't see them and bumps into them and doesn't pay attention to their, you know, personal space, they scan and notice for risk and for threats to their own sense of self. That if they don't head out into the world thinking of themselves, nobody else will. It's a product of anxiety, really. And I think that that's the easiest way to understand it, is that when we're really anxious, if we're afraid something awful is going to happen, we start to scan for proof positive that our fear and anxiety is true and real and valid. I call it building an army, like you're collecting troops to go to war and you're saying, that's a reason to be afraid. That's a reason to be worried. That's why I have to have my own back. That's why I know that no one else will have mine. Those types of things, the way of moving through the world that says, if I don't look out for me, no one else will. When we're in that mindset, And when we're in that sort of stuck in that perspective of how life is going to screw us over, we don't see the possibilities. We don't notice the things that went well. And it was interesting for me at that moment at the red light because I was in a total place of peace. We had a plan A, it didn't work, and within seconds we found a parking spot, which isn't easy when we need to look for handicap accessible parking. We got right to the restaurant, there was no wait, we had a delightful meal, and on the way home, the road was empty. 
I was scanning and I was noticing all of the things that had gone our way. My husband has a real crappy commute on the way to work, and on a Friday afternoon in Boston, the way home is certainly no picnic. He was scanning from the beginning of his day about all the ways his life was hard, slowed up, and set back. I get it, right? I work from home. I have a virtual office. I can set up my laptop anywhere I want and get a day's work done, and I don't have to consider a commute. He has been doing this god-awful commute for an entire year now. He has literally eight more days of work before he's done um, his fellowship training and on to his next job. So when he's winding down and he's been doing that commute for that long, I understand. However, it really is a teachable moment. And I want you to think about your own life and how you move through the world. And do you scan for the green lights? Do you take the time to notice when someone allows you into the lane when you're needing to make a turn and you can't get over? Have you taken time to notice the random acts of kindness or just, you know, good manners that general public and strangers show to you? Or when you don't have to wait in line, when you get home 10 minutes early, when the mail is all good but you and you don't have any bills in it, when you get text messages from your favorite people at a time you can engage in the conversations or heaven forbid you actually have time to have a phone call when the weather is nice for the entire weekend and only rains on the weekdays have you taken time to notice when things go right because the easiest way to combat fear is to be able to tune into the ability that sometimes it works out for us Sometimes it really does all go right. And if we're not used to that, and we're not used to accepting that, welcoming it, trusting it, and bringing it into our lives, we have a really hard time accepting it. And when we don't accept it, we sometimes don't see the open doors or the open windows. We miss out on opportunities that are right in front of us because we're too busy looking for the threats to our security, the things that could go wrong, the damage that could happen, the risk, all of that. That's how when people start, um, you know, getting into that victim playing mentality, that is actually a little bit of how it starts. They only notice when it wasn't their turn, when they were picked last on the team, when they had to wait too long in the doctor's office when they did their best and their best didn't work. And they failed to catalog the friend who thought of them with a nice, kind gesture. They don't notice the time somebody gave them a pass and showed them some empathy and compassion. They're only counting and cataloging the things that aren't working out for them, and they aren't noticing the things that do. I want you to start looking for the green lights. I want you to start thinking about what are you not seeing? What are the things you're taking for granted in your life? What has, you know, what has taken you a while to be grateful for? Um, what are you enjoying? What is working in your life? What 
things did you do really well and got the reward for or got the result you wanted? Are you noticing that? And as you go about your day, as you move through the world, try to consciously think and decide for yourself that you're going to choose to be somebody who looks for the green lights, who notices them, appreciates them, and maybe even waves a little bit as you go by. I've been known to say that you can't kumbaya your way through fear. You have to go to war. And I think the beginning part of the show probably sounds a little kumbaya to some of you, right? You're thinking that it's all namby-pamby and smoke and unicorns and rainbows are flying out of behinds everywhere. And I want to assure you that I get it. That scanning for the red lights, scanning for the person that's about to cut you off, who isn't paying attention, who might be drunk on a Friday night, is protecting you. It's protecting you from disappointment. It's protecting your safety sometimes. It's taking care of you. But what if I tell you, you don't always need it, that you might be okay, that if something goes wrong, you're capable. If the way to the restaurant gets crowded, there's going to be a really good plan B. If you apply for the job and you don't get it, maybe it wasn't yours to have and there's a better opportunity coming along. But if you don't go looking for it and you're not open to it in a different shape, size, or package, you may not notice when it's right in front of you. Managing the fear being comfortable enough to stop scanning for the red lights so you can scan for the green means you have to increase your comfort level with vulnerability. The reason why people look for the red lights is so they can say, ha, I knew it. It wasn't going to work out for me. I knew I had to be on watch. Looking for the green lights means you might get stuck behind an old lady in a really big car that she has no business driving. Looking for the red, you know, green lights might mean you end up behind a funeral procession on your way to work when you're already 20 minutes late. Looking for the green lights means you may be letting somebody go and then you get sideswiped. That's what sometimes happens when you look for the green lights. And that's why people don't always do it. And it's easier to look for the red. But when you don't look for the green, you don't let the light in. You don't let the opportunity in. You don't let the optimism in. Last week, we had a hard conversation about um, whether or not some people have a bad attitude and a poor mindset or they're struggling with depression. One of the main reasons why depression takes such a heavy and firm root in people's lives is they stop letting the light in. How do we do it then, right? How do we protect ourselves from what's going to go wrong, be open to what's going to go right, and not lose our minds in the process? I think it comes down to two things. First, we have to learn and get comfortable with holding both, the good and the bad, to recognize that sometimes when you're tired on a Friday night, you're going to go to a restaurant that's normally a cakewalk to get to, and you're going to get stuck in traffic. But then sometimes if you're just open to it, you're going to be able to turn around and get the right parking spot at the right time at the right restaurant with no line. You have to be able to hold both. 
And you have to, to do that, to sit in that vulnerability. You have to tune in to your capability. If you're going to hold what could go wrong while also being open to what could go right, you have to remind yourself of what you're capable of. You don't want to get stuck in traffic, but you're capable of dealing and making the most of it if you do. You found a good podcast, right? Most of you are probably listening to this in your car right now. You have a way of entertaining yourself, of engaging your mind, of taking quiet time. And if it leaves a mess because you're late for work, you don't get to the destination on time, or it sets you back, you're capable of figuring it out. We look for the green lights by holding both and not being Pollyanna about it, recognizing that things are sometimes going to go wrong. But if they go wrong, we're entirely capable of managing it. What do you think? Are you capable? You don't want things to go bad. You hope they don't. But can you handle it if they do? I know I alienate piss people off and generally disenfranchise people when I get on and on about choosing happiness and looking at life this way. But here's the thing. my I was born with a cleft palate. I got spinal meningitis when I was two. My mom died when I was six. My dad married somebody who didn't always treat me kindly. We've repaired that relationship since. Anytime I talk about that time in my life, I always like to quickly reassure people that we're really good now. Um, and then I met a guy and a bus hit him and he ended up disabled and required a wheelchair. I could go on and on about how it sucks, how life handed me a really hard deck of cards. I could tell you my dad was an only child, but my grandmother was a family of 12, so I grew up with 12 sets of grandparents who I loved and adored, and I've since lost all but one of them. You have to think about what you're going to hold and the perspective you're going to look at. I can tell you all the ways that life sucks. I can tell you that I took several operations to fix my cleft palate, and then I had eye problems, and I needed two operations to fix that, and how my cleft palate was attached to a hearing problem, and I require two hearing aids sometimes when I bother to put them in. Or I can tell you that my husband is about to finish his medical training that he started in 2005 and that we had an obstacle in 2015 and he still kicked its ass. I can tell you that my sister struggled to have a baby for the longest time, but they adopted the most amazing kid and then somehow, even though they had less than a 5% chance of getting pregnant on their own, my second nephew came along. I can tell you all kinds of stories, and it's about holding the good with the bad, holding the love with the loss, being willing to see the green lights, and when it all goes right, because you know that you can handle it if it doesn't. I think I'm going to stop there. 
I can get on a rant sometimes, and I might have already gone on a few minutes too long with this message, but I want you to engage in a conversation with me. Tell me what you think, push back, challenge me if you have to, and I'll help you find the light. I'll help you sit in the darkness, and I'll help you get to the other side. But at the end of the day, I will remind you of what it comes down to. A choice. Are you willing to choose to look for the green lights? and risk being disappointed when you encounter a red. You may not know how. You may not know how to get back up or how to deal with the fear, and that's where I come in and I can help. You're encouraged to reach out to me with a question at heather at choose to have it all dot com. If you feel like you need to dive a little bit deeper and we just can't do this in a quick Q&A, I encourage you to reach out to me and consider hiring me for services. You can find information about me on the work with me page, but I work with people in a one and done manner or I hold their way through the entire process. Whatever you need, I've got your back, but it starts with a choice. Thanks for joining me today and having a really important conversation that means a lot to me. If you're getting value from this show, if you like it, please do share it with your friends and on social media. Help me get the word out on the little podcast that could over here. I've only got 17 reviews, but I get notices that 176 people are listening to my show on a daily basis. So if you take the time to leave a review, I would surely appreciate it. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you next week.